Blog Talk Radio.
special edition today of Listen, Give Live Radio. And why is it a special edition? Because we get the chance, something that Jay and Logan and I love, is to make a difference with young people. And today we get a chance to do that with John Seidel III of Show Your Power and the grandson of Ted Turner. Don't get, it, don't get it wrong. This is a man in his own right. He is not, you know, uh, living off of the footsteps of his grandfather. He is his own person. This is what we love about him. And we have Patrick Sayata, Sayarata, who is the special advisor to uh, His Excellency Ambassador to the Permanent Mission of San Tome and Principe to the United Nations later on in the show at 335. And it, it's just so exciting to have this kind of show today. We're doing a special edition because of the fact it is, we feel it's so important to be able to provide you with this kind of information. And, you know, without further ado, we're going to um, bring on our co-host, Mr. Jay Logan. Jay, how are you today? I am wonderful, Gail. Uh, it's, it's beautiful out here in San Francisco. Um, very sunny, and I'm having a wonderful time being at home today. We're doing the show here, and uh, I'm wonderful. <laughs> I know. I'm great, too. Jay, what an, an, uh, an amazing opportunity to share with our audience John Seidel III, a young man who is creating some amazing things for young people, in fact, not just young people, across all generations. He was at the NGO conference day last week, you know, just making a difference as a young person, delightful to be around him, amazing, upbeat personality, Um, someone at the same time so upbeat but so present to life as it exists today. You know, people can be upbeat but most often um, not connected to life, if you know what I mean, Jay. And uh, yes. he's quite he's he's quite connected to life. He understands what's going on in life, but he just has a very powerful and upbeat personality, you know, about it. You know, Jay, we have him on the line, but I wanted to get into one of your news uh, articles today about the school closing. Wow, you know, it was just a heart wrenching uh, thing, you know, and you wonder when, you know, you know, you t- sometimes, Gail, you know, you close a school in your neighborhood, you know, you don't realize the effects that it has on some of the kids in some of the communities. And, you know, I, I realized when I watched this, you know, Philadelphia was, was closing on this school, this one school that's in the, the North Philadelphia, uh, Fairhill, it was closed and it just had a, a effect on the the community that was just heart wrenching. And you know, you never think that a school is not just a school. It's not just a building. It's the effects of the school, Gail, and the what it does for the community. And it's like a safe haven for the kids, and they can come in there and they can they can feel what the real world feels like. You know, when you when you're living in some of these urban areas, it's rough outside. But when you go to a school, it's more than just a building. It's a safe haven. And you know, I, I noticed that uh, what they did. They took some of the uh, memorabilia from the school and they made an art exhibit. And uh, just going through that art exhibit and reading some of the things that some of the kids and, and some of the neighborhood uh, people that live in the neighborhood said they really missed their school. And, uh, you know, it makes you feel like, you know, we really, really, really need to not let our educational system fail in America and throughout the world because the schools are the only place where you can feel a human. You know, at this time, you know, so I just, you know, 
I just thought that was a great article. Um, and um, it's like it almost feels like a death in the family when you lose a school. It might be made of brick and mortar, but when one closes, it's a terrible thing for the children and the people of the community. And so I'm it's glad hilarious. that they, <clears throat> I'm glad they honored their school uh, in Philadelphia. And I, I know what it feels like. We have one in my neighborhood that Jelena used to go to, Gail, and it's called Santa Fe. And they closed it, and we're still trying to get it back open. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny mm-hmm. that you should say that. Here in the neighborhood of Jersey City in New York, you know, I live in a really great neighborhood, and I'm grateful for that. And it was great to see the children actually singing. Not, you know, as much as we love technology, but it was great to see this uh, a music teacher bring her school together with a drama program where they're going to be traveling to Atlanta for uh, uh, national finals with their art, and, and, you know, and I was just so excited about that. You know, Listen Give will probably have them on and write about it and everything, so really excited about that. But, you know, without further ado, we've had John waiting a long time. Don't you think, Jay, we should bring him on? I am so excited. Let's do this. Yes. Okay. All right, Jay, thank you so much, and Gail, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, uh, I can't be more appreciative uh, y'all are doing some awesome work, and uh, keep it up. Education is the well, future, and uh, it definitely that's is. the only way we're going to be able to. Yes, absolutely. It definitely is. And you know, John, um, I'd love you to, you know, love to have you meet uh, uh, Jay formally. But before we do that, you know, um, we wanted to know, you know, if you would be okay with you know, us um, asking you certain questions and, and, and not giving away all the information because, you know, John, you have so much information. We don't want to give all the goodies away too quickly. Is that okay with you? <laughs> That's absolutely fine with me. Thanks for asking. <laughs> well, you know, John, last week we had the amazing opportunity to become acquainted with each other at the NGO 2015 conference along with your mother. And as a young man, being able to see parts of the world that other everyday youth don't maybe always have the opportunity to see. We asked if you, you know, what have you found that everyday youth should experience? You know, just give us one thing out of that that you find that every, you know, with your travels and everything, one thing that really sticks out to you that everyday youth should have the opportunity to experience in their lifetime. Well, I wish that I can uh, pay for every single human being, especially in the United States, to be able to go see the world for the rest of the world for what it really is, especially in the developing nations where people aren't uh, as privileged as we are and they don't have uh, a lot of education to, uh, to education, to energy, uh, to fresh water, to clean food. They, they don't know if they're going to be able to make it through the day. And we're just, we're so fortunate to be in that uh, a spot where we, at least we have clean water coming from our tap. But what really what technology gives us is, an, uh, is basically uh, a new means to be able to travel. Instead of traveling to these different countries, we can actually see with videos, right? We can see, we can educate ourselves. And if everybody has access to a smartphone or to computer at your public library uh, or at your school, uh, people can see the truth of what's really going on outside our borders. So um, uh, that's what I'd say. Wow. Wow. Hey, John. It's great to meet you, man. I mean, this is Oh, it's great to meet you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. John, I understand that, you know, since you've been a young man, you've you've been interested in making a difference with humanity. Could you share some of the earlier things that you have done? 
Yeah, absolutely. So right now, uh, obviously, being the grandson of Ted Turner and my wonderful parents who are both very, very uh, well-spoken and intelligent and smart, just trying to follow in their footsteps and carry on the legacy from my family uh, so that not only can everybody have 24-hour news and uh, have an idea of what's going on in the world, but a way to actually be part of the revolution that's going on as far as uh, sustainability, as far as uh, progressiveness. Uh, we're going to have to push and collaborate together as a species in order to push through a lot of these uh, sustainable development goals set by the UN, which will give, which will take away poverty, which will uh, feed mm-hmm. everyone, which will give everybody good health, a quality education, which you were talking about earlier, and uh, and good jobs and good economic growth. And I really think that it's going to take collaboration over competition and maybe even a new mindset in the way that we tackle these world problems uh, in order to really to really make a difference. And and so that's how I'm involved and that's what I want to do is how how do we give everybody no matter what race no matter what economic background a means to be able to partake in in this change and really take action so that led me to making this uh, my company show your power uh, which is going to be a mobile app that basically you hold your politicians accountable according to whatever policies they're passionate about yeah John we don't want you to yes, share ma'am. that yet. That's that's for later. We, that's that's a surprise for later on in the show. So if you give that up now, okay. then we can't have any fun with you later. You can't tell about that one, okay? So I got I you. I got you. you. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I didn't want you to give away those goodies because we can't wait to ask you about that later. Is that okay with you? Yes, but is that a good introductory answer? Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow, I'm I'm, I'm happy. Oh wow, that's a great answer. <laughs> So, you know, um, off of what Jay just shared, what experiences as a very young person, not now, though, John, but like when you were really young, call out to you of someone you've met. It could be a young person, could be someone well-known or whatever, had a very lasting impression on you. Well, obviously, Captain Planet was a show that I was going, I mean, everybody likes to watch cartoons. And so being the, the grandson of the person who created this show called Captain Planet was obviously very influential to me and showed me a lot of the world's problems that uh, humans have to face, not just Americans, uh, but humans have to face as a whole. And um, uh, be, just having access to this uh, media network and being able to see that I remember this show on uh, Animal Planet that was showing we're in a major sixth extinction where we're losing mammals because of human interactions and the way that we ha- treat the earth. And, um, you know, it made me cry. It made me cry as a, you know, a little six-year-old boy. And I just wanted to, I was like, well, what can I do? Captain Planet tells me the power is yours, but I, you know, I don't know what to do. And so that's what's led me into uh, the sustainable movement. That's what's led me to be able to take action on a grassroots scale and obviously build my company, which we can go into later. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> John, um, this is Joe again. I, I hear you want to make a difference as well as with climate. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So uh, I'm obviously passionate about renewable energy, but as, as passionate as I am about renewable energy, I'm also uh, very impassioned about our addiction to fossil fuels and trying to get off that. That's why I helped lead uh, the divest movement uh, from fossil fuels at the University of Denver and um, it's basically a collaboration 
from all the way from Harvard to Stanford, of all these different universities, churches, different foundations and institutions, to divest their endowments from these dirty uh, uh, fossil fuel companies that have you know political finger and everything. They're so and they're very powerful very, uh, special interest groups. And so, really, the only way we're going to be able to uh, beat these uh, groups and push forward for renewable energy investment is to divest from what's killing us, what's making our world uh, dirtier as far as health, what's making our, our, our energy output unsustainable in the short term, and move towards a more progressive and long-term solution. Uh, obviously, that's, uh, it kind of gives a little bit of background as to why I'm so passionate about renewable energy and also another reason why we need a, another platform, a political platform, to be able to unite and push these efforts through. Wow. Well, you know, what, you know, I have an interesting question to you behind this one. You know, I want to know is what, in, what university are you or have you attended, and what, if any, John, has this had an effect on your direction of both politics, climate, and any, any other area that you wish to go into? Outside of your parents, you know, your, your grandfather and everything, your own personal experience at the university, and how has that shaped you? Because I think this is something very important for our youth to know. Absolutely. So I went to school at the University of Denver, just recently graduated uh, with political science major and a business minor. And uh, if you don't know, uh, Colorado is a very purple state, and that's a political term for there's a lot of Republicans and there's a lot of uh, Democrats all living in one area uh, that, that really focus on the issues that make sense. So they're very big with renewable energy. Uh, I worked for Senator Hick I mean Senator Udall and John Hickenlooper, both in their campaigns and in their offices. And so I was really in the trenches as far as uh learning what what it means to be in the political system, how social media affects it all, and uh really how these decisions are really made uh from from a top down perspective. And so University of Denver has given me a really great background in being able to uh, take action on what I truly believe in and get a lot of perspectives. Because I think so many people are ignorant to the fact that they just don't want to listen to other people's perspectives. They, they, they're, you know, 100% right all the time. And, uh, you know, that, that everybody thinks like that. I, I think like that every once in a while. And you just have to remember to be an open-minded and you have to, uh, you know, listen to people's arguments and not focus on what makes you different. And what you're arguing about, but focus on what the things are that you can agree on and what you can move forward on. And I think that's something that's been missing in our political system for a long time now. Oh wow, man! Um, what what wonderful energy you bring, man! You just you, you you're doing it, man. I just want to know. Me and Gail was talking, and we want to know: Do you think youth needs to go to college, or can they make a difference like Randy Zuckerberg's or the Steve Jobs of the world? I think, you know, you, you take what you're passionate about, and obviously, for me, I, ha I had to go get educated, but I think our world is changing. I think we've, the access to technology and what's been able to educate us, I've been able to learn accounting, statistics, and economics, uh, college levels, just from Khan Academy and, and YouTube videos. And I think, hmm. you, you know, if you have an idea, you run with it. If you already have a solution to one of the major global problems, you run with it. You know, my grandfather didn't uh, didn't graduate from Brown, but he had an idea, and he wanted to 
take over his father's company and turn it into one of the largest media empires the world has ever seen because he believed in it. He was passionate about it. And uh, hopefully that answered your question. Wow. Yes, it did. Well, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's more than answered our question. <laughs> so, you know, um, there is something that you were sharing with me about yesterday. And, I, you know, I wasn't going to put it out there, but I thought it was important for young people to know this, because I think any young person, they put their mind to it. And I won't even say young, any person in general. And, and that's what I loved about your energy, John. You bring with your energy something that I thought was unique and that all of us can relate, you know, no matter what age, whether you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, or 80, you know. And, and these questions, I really want the audience to listen to what John has to say because I was really – um, connected with him yesterday when he was speaking about this, you know, you know when you said you were late with your parents to a meeting, and you know you talked about tell us about the Malala meeting and the young people in your community making a difference and how this inspires you. Because I heard inspiration when you shared about how your parents were in your case. I don't want to let it out the bag, but if you could tell us about those two stories, John. You know the Malala meeting and also you know, five years ago, and and the two young people in your community in the schools that you were telling us. Tell us about the two Definitely. stories and how di- directly it's an, an inspiration to you, not others, but to you. Well, but let's start with Malala. I, uh, so I was watching, I was in a, on a trip uh, with the United Nations Foundation in Russia uh, in St. Petersburg, and we were having a dinner with uh, former Secretary General Kofi Annan and uh, Nobel Laureate Mohammed Yunus and uh, former Senator Tim Worth, and I was 10 minutes late to dinner, and my parents are freaking out. They're, like, knocking on my door. They're like, what are you doing? And I was in my hotel room watching this 13-year-old give the best live speech I've ever heard on uh, live TV at the United Nations in New York, and uh, it was Malala, and she was talking about education and how important it is for everybody to have an education, no matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter what background in order for us to truly thrive as a species and move forward and evolve. And uh, I, I was blown away. And uh, obviously when I got to the table 15 minutes later, uh, I was like, so have, have you ever heard of this Malala, Malala girl? And they're like, no, no, I haven't heard of it. But, uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> I was like, you better check it out. Because uh, less than a year later, uh, she, she obviously got the Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, still to this day, she's given the best speech as a 13-year-old, really shows me that, you know, it doesn't matter your age. In fact, if, if the younger you are, the more powerful voice you have. I used to think when I was a child, I'd have to wait till I was an adult to be able to make a true difference. And that's, that's not the case at all. The, the, the children, the, our generation, uh, we're leading the way. And uh, two more, the, the other two children you're talking about are Carta and Olivia Reese, who are 14 and 12, and they're both siblings. And they started their own – first of all, they saw a huge problem with the extinction crisis with elephants, uh, rhinos, with all these different species, and they wanted to do something about it. So they were begging their dad, like, well, what, what do we do? What can we do? And he's like, well, you can make your own – kind of jokingly, you can make your own NGO, uh, nonprofit. And um, <laughs> so they're like, really? He's like, oh, no, no, no. But, but they really begged him. And finally he said, yes, thank goodness, because they made this – nonprofit called One More Generation, and you can see their work on Facebook, but they've been able to walk, go to all these different schools, speak to the children about what they can do collectively in order to make a difference and protect these 
uh, endangered and threatened animals for at least one more generation, but hopefully forever. And so, the, I mean, it really just shows 14, 12, 13 years old. Uh, th- these children are, are the heroes of our generation, and they are the type of heroes that I look up to for motivation because uh, it's easy be, to be pessimistic about the next 100 years because there's so many problems. But it's these type of children that are looking at them as opportunities that's really going to be able to save the world, and it, it's really something uh, that really gives this whole entire progressive and sustainable movement legs. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Gil, I, I, I think that you – thank you for letting me ask this next question, Gil. I know you wanted to ask it, but, you know, thank you so much. We're excited about this. Tell us about Show Your Power and the new app you're creating. All right. So I was getting into it a little bit earlier. Sorry for kind of, like, shooting it right off the bat. But uh, so all of this, all, all this conversation leads to what can we do individually, you know, not just in our generation – but anybody who has access to a computer or a smartphone, what can we do to be able to take action on our politicians that are making the decisions, not during election time, you know, whether it's just a bunch of empty <laughs> promises, but when they're actually making the decisions on what we're passionate about, whether the, it's energy, whether it's environment, whether it's education, whether it's health. And, you know, some of, I'm in Atlanta as well, and uh, some of my Atlanta counterparts, uh, or, you know, that's what they breathe in the morning. That's what they get up for. That's what they live for or is their gun rights. And um, it, it, what it's really meant to do is be able to unite people, not based upon their differences, but what policies that they're most passionate about. And when you can get thousands of people behind a specific issue that they're voting on in current time, and then you can hold them accountable by swiping left or swiping right, and it goes straight to the Facebook, Twitter, and email, it's kind of like a political. And as soon as they get that message and they get – your House representative gets 5,000 people in support or opposition of a specific issue when they're voting on it. Trust me, they hear you, and it's going to influence the way that they decide that issue. Woo! Oh, wow! Oh, Gail! Somebody's got to show that everybody has this equal political power, no matter your race, no matter your economic background. Everybody is guaranteed the right to vote. And this technology gives us the right to hold our politicians accountable when they don't vote the way that they say they're going to vote. Well, see, oh, my. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, here, John, you're going to laugh because he knew I wanted to ask that question, but I gave it to him today. <laughs> okay. Wow. You, I, I, thank, thank you for letting me vent a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really wanted to ask that question, but since, you know, you know, he and I always go back and forth on this one, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll, let him, I'll let him have that one. You know, I have a question for you next, you know, and actually this is a question from Jay and I both. Um, being the grandson of Ted Turner, okay, what have you learned from him personally as a young person and, and, and what work ethic? Well, I think from the earliest age, he, he, uh, he has a lot of land that he's keeping permanently conserved for uh, my generation and generations to come so that wildlife and that sustainable revenue can be made off these ranches and these beautiful places where everything can be preserved and even my earliest memories were out, out like from these ranches, and it gave me an appreciation for for this beauty for creation. And uh, once you have an appreciation, you have you have a reason to protect what you what you've been exposed to, and what you've been accustomed to, and what you've been connected with. 
And so I think the most valuable thing that he's given me is an appreciation, not just for his land, but what humans have and what humans are destroying right now. And obviously uh, his tenacity, his courageousness, his, his, his ability to prove the people who say you can't do it wrong it's, uh, it gives me motivation because, we'll, just for instance, when people tell me, how are you going to get people excited about politics? It's politics. How do you make revenue? And it's, it's not about revenue. It's about getting people to collaborate together on making this world a better place for everybody. And I think that's something bigger than any type of economic principle or anything else that I learned in school. I think that is just a little highlight of what my grandfather has been able to influence on me. And uh, and hopefully I can carry his legacy forward as uh, he's a role model humanitarian. He wants to see peace. He wants to see sustainability for all. He wants to see education, the amelioration of poverty. And, uh, you know, that, that that's the torch that I bear and that I'm going to be taking up along with my parents and my, my cousins and my two sisters. And we're ready for the challenge and uh, looking for other – millennials and people younger than me, people are older than me, uh, to join this fight because it's, it's going to be the test, uh, the biggest test for humanity that we've ever seen. But it's going to be really exciting when, hmm. we, when we make it. Wonderful. Oh, wow. Um, so this is a question for me and Gail also. Um, and we want to know, what do you want young people to know who may not have the access you have but can still make a difference in their community? Absolutely. Well, I'm going to start from being able to hold your representatives accountable is the easiest way. When you have a direct connection to your representatives, you know if they're making the decisions that are either going to benefit you and your community or not. I know people say just go out and vote, but that's that's not it. You have to be able – and there has to be some sort of technology uh, and means for you to actually know what's going on. And hopefully uh, you can join me and uh, on, on this conquest to make sure that we can hold these politicians accountable and that we are benefiting our communities, that we're benefiting our children, that we're benefiting the people in need. This is just one, I'd say that's probably the most significant coming from a political science major, but you got to follow your passion and uh, look at it as there's a lot of problems, but problems are opportunities. And if you're passionate about something, Find the problems within that passion and really exploit that opportunity and make the best of it uh, and represent and never forget where you're from. And we're all from, no matter what city, no matter what state, we're all from one blue dot in the middle of a very large expanding universe. And uh, we're only going to get one shot at it. And so um, that, that's really what wow. i got to say. Wow. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. I, so I'm, we're just going to get – can we speak one more question there with you, John? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm loving this. I'm pacing around my room. It's, it, it, it's a lot of fun for me. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, um, so I have to ask this. This, this, is, this is a star question. You know, I, Jay and I are in the arts as well as from the business side, and we've met a lot of people like you have. And – I just have to know one person. Who do you have a crush on? We're going to get you in trouble a little oh, bit. Here. Man. Oh man! Oh my gosh! What, who do I? Have what a... star do you? Oh what wow! What star do you have a crush on? I I knew that would catch you on guard, Holy. left field. We... <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, man. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad, y'all. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude. They, uh, I mean, the good news is is uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of choices. Um, but uh I'm I uh, man. Shoot. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I could tell you that I'm into somebody who cares about sustainability and cares about and is passionate about <laughs> obviously something that's going to benefit humanity in some way. You're, you're gonna you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> but uh, I, I have nothing to do with it, John. Me. Uh, okay, I, I got you. I got you. I got you right here. I'm uh, I'm I'm passionate about probably you know my my crush is probably you know coming from a boy who likes country and a boy from the south. I uh, I definitely have a crush on Taylor Swift. So uh, <laughs> yeah, oh my Taylor Swift, do you hear that? John Seidel has a crush on you. <laughs> Look out! Look out! Girl, I was wondering, cause when is this app? When is this app that's going to be available? I mean, I'm still blown away with this thing. It's going to change the. When is this thing going to come out? Because you know we're going to blast it on our show when this thing comes out. I know Gail knows she's going to do it. So when do we expect this app to come out? Exactly. Absolutely. We're, we're, well, we're, uh, and and John, before you go, I just have yeah, to say on. one thing. The reason why we're excited about this is it's going to give people across the board, even the politicians themselves, to really connect with people, which is what government was set up to do when George Washington was here. So this is, like, really the coolest thing because people will really be able to connect, and I hope they see it that way, that they'll be able to really connect one-on-one with their, can- you know, with candidates. And and that will be really great. And then the candidates will be great to be able to see, like, what's important to people in general, you know. And so Absolutely. It's going to be a two-way street. Yeah, tell us about it. Well, uh, uh, our video, um, we're in collaboration right now with the Underground Network. So you can go into underground.net and go ahead and sign up. Uh, we've decided that collaboration instead of competition is something that's going to be able to actually move all of our agendas forward um, and, and make this world sustainable, peaceful, and uh, progressive for all people. None, like I said, no matter what what economic background, what race, uh, what gender, and um, so I mean, you can. Uh, so we have our Facebook show your power, and uh, our, our beta is coming out here in the next few weeks, and um, we want to have a finalized product so that we can hold the politicians accountable for the 2016 election. And uh, so go ahead and get signed up, and we'll go and we'll give you VIP access. Uh, when the final version comes out in the next couple weeks. Wow. wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> can you can you tell them exactly where to go with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, underground dot net and showyourpower.org. org. Okay. And those are the Say two places, and you can follow us on. We have Facebook. We have Twitter for all you millennials out there. I know. Uh, I know uh, <laughs> my parents are still getting on the Facebook train. My dad, I don't think he's ever going to have any social media, but my mom uh, just got on Facebook. She has a Twitter now and an Instagram. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun getting the social media because it's, but it, it expands the type of potential that we have to really make an influence. Cause I, it's not going to be just cat videos and uh, Kim Kardashian anymore. It's going to be taking <laughs> action on real issues that matter 
for for our human issues. Wow. That's, well, we thank you wonderful. so much. We had so much fun with you. I got to tell you. Yes, we did. We, <laughs> same, same. Same. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it was... It was just, I think it, it went it pretty well. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had quite a blast. Like, thank, thank you for letting me get on here and, and vent a little of my uh, my hopes and uh, some of my frustrations. And uh, obviously you can see I'm an energetic person. Like I said, I've been pacing around, jumping around, because I, uh, I can't help myself. This stuff gets me fired up. Because we're, 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 we have a real chance to be the generation that changes the course of history. And uh, it, it doesn't. It, nothing to me is more important than being able to make this world, make everybody have the same opportunities, and make it peaceful, and make it sustainable for every single person that is born on this planet. And uh, well, nothing makes me more in, excited than be part of that. Well, the future, the future is, is in good hands. <laughs> it really is. And what we like now we have Patrick on we have Patrick on the other line, so before you leave off, would you like to say hello to Patrick John? Absolutely. And it was great oh. it was great to have you uh at the oh, thank last you, Patrick. Week. I so appreciated the opportunity to be able to speak with my mom. It was the first time I got to my mom got to introduce me. Usually I'm the one doing the introductions for her. But uh, we, you know, it's it's really special. It was very cool. Is able to speak with a mom. So thank you so much for having me, Patrick. It it was really great. You you both said very different things, and it fit in well with the conference. We were really so pleased to have you both with us. Thank you too. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, Again, and Gail and Jay, it's been such a blast. Uh, Let me know if you ever want me on again. Um, oh, we do. You know, kind of over in San Fran in New York, and uh, let's stay in. Let's stay connected. Well, and we I'll, and I'll you back on. Never. <laughs> yes, we will have you on when you launch your app. So please come back then. Definitely. Sounds and good. So Sounds good. Much. Thank you. Never well, give Pat- up, guys. Never give up. We won't. We won't. Hello, Patrick. How are you? Hey, I'm fine, Gail. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. And please meet Mr. J. Logan. Mr. J. Logan, please meet me, Mr. Patrick L. Fiorata. Patrick J. J. Patrick. Hi, J. Hello, Patrick. Nice to be speaking with you. Wonderful. Well, Patrick, we're going to have a little fun with you. It'll be like 15 or 20 minutes out of your day where you get to have some fun. Are you ready to have some fun with us? I'm looking forward to it. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Patrick, you know... um, we're going to ask you that you don't give away all the goodies too quickly because we have some amazing questions for you where we want the young people to really learn about you as a person, not not just Patrick who works at the U.N. and does all these amazing things at the U.N., but Patrick who really, you know, Patrick's journey there. Is that okay with you? So we ask you that you tell your answers to the questions because if you tell too much ahead of time, we can't get, you know, all the good stuff will be gone before we finish. Is that okay with you? Cool. Of course, you lead me, okay. and I'll uh, I'll just reply and and cut me off if I get too long with it. You know, I am and have been a faculty member at a number of universities. So you know, as faculty members, we tend to be long-winded. So don't uh, hesitate to cut me off. <laughs> well, no problem. So you know, 
Patrick, it was great being with you at the NGO conference last week, and this is one of the many conferences you were given charge to run and did so with amazing grace. So we were, you know, we also know you were the former head of the Youth General Assembly to the United Nations. You know, I want to know how did you get started so our young people have an idea of what it would take for them to live their passions? Well, I tell you, most people would answer this, uh, especially where I am now in my role at the permanent mission here, uh, that it's a diplomatic career that follows a very straight line. But, you know, life really doesn't, and there are those who follow that line of diplomacy and diplomatic training. I began in the theater. I began, as a matter of fact, doing juggling and magic in my backyard and started to perform for my friends. And eventually, by the time I was uh, 17 or 18, I wanted to use the skills that I had put together uh, which were mostly like performing skills as opposed to acting skills, and create theater pieces for the streets and make them sociopolitical. So this was back in the early 70s, and I was creating theater pieces free to the public outside in the streets that had sociopolitical messages attached to them. And it was really from there I started to meet other people from around the world, both by them generating to my performances and also the ability we had to perform around the world because we weren't really heavily related, relying on script so we could perform in nations where people didn't speak English. And it, uh, that traveling, the conscious effort to deal with sociopolitical issues, and my love of the arts really began me on the road that led me to here. But I won't go further yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Patrick, with all of this background with young people, Patrick, what is that we don't know about young people from around the world? What is one thing that sticks out that we as adults don't understand? Well, I think the thing that I always carry with me is that young people virtually own nothing. They don't really often get to own a car. They certainly don't own a house. They don't own the kinds of trappings and things that older people work for and own. But what they do own is their understanding and self and sense of culture. They know whether they like Lady Gaga or not. You know, and every young person knows what they feel and believe about culture through their music. And it's something that I think older folks forget as we go on to our workaday lives and work in areas where uh, we have to put aside uh, what was our favorite band or uh, what favorite movie we liked or why we liked this personality or the other. And that sense of culture that young people are so keen to own enables them often to be intercultural, to want to share their culture We, when we get older, we understand, especially in the West, uh, the kind of rules of civil society. So we tend to always want to be multicultural, that we would know about you and allow you or tolerate you being different than me in the same room at the same time. And that sense of tolerance and multiculturalism is something that is kind of a burden, where interculturalism 
the idea that I love to share, I love to learn what Gangnam style means and is, is mm-hmm. doesn't come with the burdens that multiculturalism often comes with and with tolerance uh, that sometimes sounds to me like I will just tolerate you. There is a great understanding of the power of culture that young people have and an embrace of other cultures because people can see that the ownership of a broad understanding of culture is what makes them who they are. I think it's a really important point that adults mm. kind of miss and that young people own. Wow. I have to tell you, Jay, I mean, in all the time that we've done this show, Patrick, and we've had amazing people on, and, and, and I hope no one from our past takes any offense to this. That is one of the, that's a, an answer that I'm grateful that you have shared with us and, and one that we will use um, going forward because it's something that we never saw from that point of view as much as I, I've, I've traveled a lot as well, so has Jay, Patrick, and we've never heard it from that point of view. And, and, and now you've just taught us something that as much as we've traveled, we're still looking through Americans' eyes and not the eyes of, as we thought of others. And, and that brings me, you know, to the, the next thing because, uh, wow, I, that, that, that really did blow me away. Um, when you were a small child, Patrick, did you, and I mean really like, you know, this little kid doing magic tricks and things like that, did you ever think you would be at the United Nations making a difference on such a global scale? No, no, certainly. I think that's one of the joys of life that we don't know. Uh, we often find fear in the unknown, but actually if everything was known, think how boring it would be. Uh, life is this unfinished symphony, and I kind of either taught myself or was taught by my it, <clears throat> my surroundings at an early age that not knowing was really the key and the joy to life. So I've always tried to progress in a mostly forward way and uh, positive thinking uh, around the types of work that I'd like to do. So I guess what's really carried me forward in this regard was uh, kind of – creative imagination where I simply imagined that the things I had hoped would occur were occurring. And then I tried to live up to that dream of them occurring. So I was kind of living my, my life in reverse. I'd think of something and then imagine that it was happening and then go for it and see if I could achieve even within myself in a modest way, some kind of, you know, understanding of that goal. Wow. My, wow. my first goals are really in music. You know, they were in music and in the arts. I wrote a lot of music for then pop stars uh, back in the day, I helped edit some of their music. And with the circus training that I was building up and the performance, I created plays on the street that were musical theater. They'd have seven or eight songs in them, and they'd have these funky little skills in them like uh, unicycling or Afro-Caribbean stilts or juggling or mime or magic, they would always have women in the lead because when I was growing up, I noticed that there was a real paucity of women in leading roles. It's mostly like men who got those roles. Uh, They were always comedies. They were kind of sketch-oriented because of the emergence of uh, Saturday Night Live at that point in my life and I tried to emulate that because they were sociopolitical. They dealt with um, 
things like nuclear power or the taking over of malls in the United States or a number of different uh, ideas that we played with. Uh, all of my plays ended in the end of the world so that I could sit with the audience. We could all, the actors, sit with the audience after and talk about another way. Like, you know, what if the world didn't end at the end? How would you see that coming out? How would we get out of our nuclear arms race with the then Soviet Union, et cetera? And uh, that was always fun for me, too, because I was able to pick up loads of new ideas from the audience themselves while talking about the play in reverse, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I like to know, like, what experience over the years moved you so much that you connected with a young person on? And what was it about that experience that made such a difference to you? Well, I mean, it, it, it keeps going. You know, in 2002, I created the Youth Assembly at the United Nations, and there I decided I would only bring youth leaders, especially from the emerging developing world, uh, not the same old, same old people from the West, people who had the opportunity to come here, that we would try to raise funds and bring people here who were trying to do something in a leadership role, large or small, to the UN and begin to talk to them about the Millennium Development Goals and then eventually the Sustainable Development Goals so that these people who were taking some leadership in their home country would go back with new skills, new ideas, or new incentives because of what they learned and shared here with the UN and with others. Uh, and in that capacity, I've met incredible young people who have come from Nigeria or have come from the Philippines or uh, the Caribbean and elsewhere uh, who have been extremely impressive to me. And just being around them, being their mentors, has been a tremendous opportunity for me. Prior to that, I worked with the Clinton administration in the late 1990s on a program called the Balkan Youth um, Reconciliation Seminar Series. And it was bringing together children of war from throughout the Balkans and listening to their stories and working with them to create an opportunity for them to express themselves in ways that would be new and would be working against the kind of division that had created the terrible wars in that region in the 90s. Uh, so in each of these cases, uh, and in Israel and Palestine before that, where I worked on theater projects, I tried to bring together creative young people and listen to some of their interests and needs and desires, and then try to reinterpret those stories in creative ways uh, with them, either through music or dance or theater, and that process enabled them to find new methods of expression, to find new means of getting their points across, and for me to begin to work as a mentor for them uh, over longer periods of time to see if I could then develop who they were and help them become hmm. who they are today. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> Wow. You know, this, you know, I tell you, uh, Patrick, I you know I'm saying this in the middle of our show. I hope that you will come back with us later in the year. I mean, this is this is a treat for us because this is 
what Jay and I really live for and what we really enjoy doing, the difference that we enjoy making for others, especially you. Well, thank you. So I, thank I really you. hope you'll come back with us and visit with us again. Well, maybe if I can, I'd love to bring on some of the people who I'm speaking about. Uh, there are some young women and some young men who have just been doing amazing things around the world. And we would I, love you that. Know, for, for example, Gail, I'm sure you know Ahmed Al-Handawi, who's the youth envoy for the yeah. Secretary General. He's the youngest yeah. envoy ever named by the UN, and he's the first youth envoy. He never came to the UN before he met me. I dragged him into the UN and brought him to the Youth Assembly, and we became fast friends. He calls me brother. You know my age. I tell you, my much <laughs> younger brother. And um, he has lived in my home and stayed in a spare room in my place enough that I call it the Ahmed room. And Ahmed, you know, was a young uh, young guy when he first met me, and he has grown into this spectacular. Uh, representative of youth who travels around the world and listens to youth and brings marginalized and other youth into the process of policy. He has said, and I've heard him say to the Secretary General, I don't want to see the UN do anything for youth unless youth is involved. He said, because if youth are not at the table, then they're on the menu. And you wow. know, I've been with him and with other young people like him who have just been able to do amazing things in countries near and far, especially in countries that are developing, that seem well, to now, defy uh, Patrick, the odds. Patrick, we don't want you to give away too much because we've got a few more questions for you. But we would <laughs> just let you know we would be very, very open to that and would love to have you do that. And actually, it's funny that you mention this because one of my next question to you is, what are some of the places in the world you have visited that has had a profound effect on you personally, Patrick, and meeting other young people? And what did it have you appreciate about your own life? Well, uh, certainly the work in the Balkans was uh, very influential uh, on me. I hope it was also influential to the young people I served uh, because we – dealt with things like uh, love versus honor. I felt that this was important because there were young people who I saw there who were fighting, killing each other on all sides of a very multipolar war uh, who didn't really understand why the adults had led them into this war. Uh, So I responded with theater and I did uh, Romeo and Juliet, which is about love versus honor. And there were many, you know, Serbian boys who were skinheads who could have broken me in half if they felt like it. And there were these young, tender Muslim girls, and uh, some were lovers. And I know that on both sides, they were embarrassed by the fact that this Christian Serb loved this Muslim um, Albanian, for example. And so I watched young people looking at a 300-year-old play that most of us consider a fossil, Romeo and Juliet, crying, (laughs) crying in the back of the theater. Guys who could have broken me in half crying because they knew that their love for that other person was dishonoring their family. Uh, At the end of the Balkan Wars, I did The Tempest by Shakespeare, which is about the reconciliation of brothers. And it also takes place on a foreign island, which 
the Balkans were to the rest of Europe at that time. But similarly, in other instances, I've tried to make programming that works with young people to both empower and enable them. And then I fall in love with the country. I've just been in Albania uh, recently. I've worked in the Philippines extensively. I worked with uh, President Abdullah in Jordan and President Mohammed, um, President, I'm sorry, uh, His Excellency, His Highness uh, King Abdullah and His Highness uh, King uh, Mohammed in Morocco on youth issues uh, where I've been a kind of go-between uh, between Muslim, Arab youth and Jewish youth from the Israeli state working together on projects with Nobel laureates and with MacArthur awardees. Uh, I, I'm a MacArthur awardee myself uh, for wow. the work I've done. Um, but at any rate, uh, working with them, I was kind of a, uh, a referee between the, the disparate parties and I showed them how much they had in common. But during that period, I fell in love with Jordan, uh, with Morocco, with Israel, because I was there. Usually, I'm not really moved by places, because every place is nice. And, Gail, you and I live in New York City. What's nicer? But it's really exactly. about the people, you know? You go wow. to some place, and you work extensively there, and then that place has a visceral memory uh, I, you know I'm leaving Friendship Ambassadors Foundation currently, and I'm beginning to work more at the UN. I really cut my eye teeth in the 90s in Eastern Europe, and it really just calls me back. Maybe it's a victory lap, but I'm not going back to Prague or Budapest or Sofia because they're lovely towns. It's because I met people that I grew up with there maybe who were much younger than me, but we all grew up together during very difficult, intense programs. And now those places are etched in my mind forever. And I, I need to go back and sort of embrace the place as well as the people. Well, before we go, we have uh, just four more quick questions for you. But before we go, Patrick, Patrick, I believe there's someone who has a question for you live on the air. Would you hold on a moment? Sure. Hello, you're you're live on the air. Can, do you have a question for us? Um, yes, you know, I am um, just kind of really wondering, you know, what um, what we can do as a society right now, or even a, a smaller part of society, like down to community level, uh, what we can do about getting the children that are not motivated to be involved in these changes to get involved. Um, there seems to be like a, a regular circle of people that want to do good and that want to do positive things. They're involved. It's the it's the ones that are following. Reach out and get them involved and, and engage them, you know, outside of the normal things that are being done regularly. You know, we just see a lot of them not being reached, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I really don't believe in the importance of old age and wisdom. I do not believe in the importance of youth. For me, everything is intergenerational. The older folks bring a sense of experience and, and can sometimes repose questions or ask questions to young people who have a tremendous amount of energy talent and wisdom in terms of new technologies that we don't have. 
And I think it's incumbent upon the older folks to find out what excites people. I've worked in Brooklyn uh, teaching math at one point, and a lot of people gave up on the young people, uh, especially the young African-American males I was working with in terms of of math. And I found that they were particularly interested in sports. I mean, if you're a sports fan, what is sports without math? How do you know the baseball percentages of the batters? What, what happens when you throw a basketball? It creates an arc. What are the percentages of you getting the ball into the net? Uh, these things become fascinating to people who are already interested in their particular love. So by starting those young people looking at, at that point, I was very young, so I'm embarrassed to say, I remember my first question is, we all know Willie Mays is great. How do we know how we get to his batting average? And within a week or so, I was teaching these young people who had no basis in math, trigonometry and algebra by not teaching them trigonometry or algebra, but merely solving problems within a context that they felt very comfortable within. And I think that that's true of every young people. They may be uninvolved in what we would like them to be involved with, but they would have their own interests that we need to help bring out, perhaps. I mean, that may be a help. Interesting. Uh, Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, As a follow-up, you know, I I think that's a a very interesting and valid point because I think um, it has to do with kind of getting to a person's passion. You know, like you were saying, if it's sports, if it's math, if it's biology, if it's human rights, whatever, if we're able to get to the youth's passion, then it's easier for to use that as a vehicle to kind of transcend it into broader ideas, concepts, or markets even. You know what I mean? So I think that was interesting. I think that's really valid. I know a lot of young women who are interested in fashion, and you know, being a guy, I'm not. But if you talk to young women who are not that interested in other things and talk about sustainable fashion or how sustainable clothing can be made or how clothing can be shared, so come at it from their interest and then bring it to the larger interest. You do find that people go, wow, that makes sense to me. And, and then you can become an agent for their change. That that's really great, man. I I have to agree with you. That's, I, you know, obviously you're doing this for a reason because <laughs> you know something. Um, I w- I would hope that a lot of people have kind of a broader idea or or are more receptive to the broader scope of how to reach the youth. You know what I mean? Because the youth is the future. So I I really think it's just really really important that you broaden your idea of of and not being so secular in one's thinking about what you're going to do or what thing you're going to change because you don't really know what's going to change until that choice, that change is facilitated. And it's, mm-hmm. it can be different for 10 different people in a room with 10 different passions and 10 different ideas of change. So I think that's really cool, mm-hmm. man. Really cool. Cool. Very, very cool. Thanks. Thanks. Well, th- thank, thank you thank for you. the question. Thank you for being on the show. And what state are you calling from, sir? Um, I'm in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, and my name is Donna well, B. Well, thank you so much for calling in with that question. Thank you very much, and we appreciate it. Okay, great. I'll just continue to listen. Thank you. No problem, sir. 
Well, Patrick, I know that we ran a little bit over time, and Jay and I really didn't expect that, so that was really great. Um, we're going to make it very quick for you because we know you have to get back. You know, um, one of the things I'd like to know, Patrick, just from you personally and some of the things that you're doing is what change have you chosen? I mean, we hear it already, but we want to know from your own words, what change have you chosen to be in the world, Patrick? And, like, what do you want to see happen in the world personally for young people? Well, you know, the number one change, as you know, I announced at the conference after 22 years of leading a very successful foundation, Friendship Ambassadors Foundation, I'm choosing to leave in order to have younger people take over. Uh, I think that succession within the nonprofit world is essential to keep nonprofits healthy and growing. And many of us find that very difficult. I'm finding it very difficult. It's hard to give up something that you love. And what I hope for in uh, young people is that they accept not only the challenges before them, but find mentors so that there is an intergenerational relationship with the ones who came before you. And that's kind of important. I guess the Jungian philosophy that we are all connected to our uh, past ancestors and we're all connected to the generations who come before us. That connectivity means everything to me. And I'm on the first week of my new life after 22 years. So ask me again in six months. (laughs) Patrick, I hear you love the arts. And you've had some people sing songs that they never thought they would sing. Could you tell us about your experience and how fun it was? And how, what was that? And how fun it was, you know, the experience of well, I'm mean, having these tremendous fun. First of all, my work in the in the music field uh, goes back to the late '60s, early '70s. I mean, what more needs to be said for me? That was a real renaissance in popular music, and you had everyone from yes. the Beatles to the Rolling Stones to Bob Dylan to especially Joni Mitchell, who had a tremendous effect on me. Uh, the band, yes. uh, many of these groups that I knew and uh, worked with, played with. Um, and wrote for in some capacity or another, uh, all meant uh, a tremendous amount to me. So it was a tremendous amount of fun being alive during that time and being an actual participant in some of that work, having, you know, albums on my wall with my names on them. I still have albums, if you can imagine, on my wall. But uh, that was a lot of fun. But moving that into a sociopolitical context, in Greensboro, North Carolina, I directed a play that dealt with a, um, a video game. And it brought a lot of these kids who were not interested in nuclear power to see the show because it was a fun show about video games. And it was just a video game that actually um, was a construct for the, uh, the difficulty between the Soviet Union and the United States. And so I was able to use the game as a way to get people to start thinking about that context. And again, it was a lot of fun to interpret something that is of street popularity into a heavier motif. And I I love to do that, to bring things that are maybe a little heavy down into a pop realization that young people can embrace, understand, and then hopefully get motivated to act upon. Wow. (laughs) Are you still... 
<laughs> I'm just saying, what, you, what an ambassador. I mean, you, you, you're just wild. You're all over. I mean, God, we, Gail, we, you, <laughs> we'd love to have you back because you got so much. To, there's just so much going on. I don't know. <laughs> my, my, mother hears, my, mother hears, my mother hears these stories and says, man, you should write a book. Just please wait until you I pass away to do it. You really, but she, you really should. She's afraid of you what really, she's going to really read. Should. Well, you know, um, Jay, um, I think we should get to the very last question because we're going out of time. Okay. And Jay and Jay okay. and I have a personal question for you that's coming from our hearts and something that, listen, give. We're not just um, media, uh, Patrick, as you know. We do a lot of work um, and intending to do a lot of work with, like, global citizens. We're hoping to do a partnership with them shortly, and we have other major partnerships that we make a difference with nonprofits and especially with youth and education. That's why we were so happy to have you on. You know, um, so, mm-hmm. Jay, let's say this question to uh, Patrick together. Okay. Hey, how does, how does, does music, music affect affects global, global issues? Issues. Well, I think that there are, I mentioned that young people own, their knowledge of whether they like Lady Gaga or not, or Miley, whatever, whomever, but um, it it transcends logic and language often, and that transcendence is understood by young people, but it's also a means by which others can find their way into conversations that they feel are too either intimidating or with the lack of passion that sometimes happens when you just have a logical discourse like we're having now. Music can transcend that. You know, everybody sings in the same key. I mean, if you get a choir together, they can be Russian and African and Northern European and American, but they all have to sing in the key of C. I personally sing in the key of H, which is why I don't sing. But if you think, if you think about it, see it of music and dance in particular force cooperation in a very scientific way that enables people to kind of be liberated by the fact that they don't have to worry about what key they're singing in. That's written. And then they can just vocalize or make music together as musicians, and that brings everyone together. I currently have two, I have a CD out right now that I produced last year called The Ambassadors Sing for Peace, and I got together five sitting permanent representatives and had them sing 12 songs of peace during Christmas, and it brought them together, and now I have a rock band we're going wow. into the into the studio on September 13th. Um, a repre- permanent representative ambassador Ojun from the Republic of Korea on drums. Wow. Sam from Romania oh on uh, tambourine and lead singing. Eve Peterson <laughs> from Denmark on lead guitar, and it goes on. I have uh, six um, sitting permanent representatives going in to do a rock. CD on September 13th. And I do think that music just simply brings us together in ways I wish I had time to explain further. Oh my God, Patrick! I, I have to ask you this: We're putting you on. We are putting you on. My goodness, Patrick, you have no idea. So I'm always talking to Jay about intergenerational communication. 
I mean, between generations. He knows how to believe in taking music of different cultures. And Patrick, we love you. I have to ask you, would you be willing to come back next Wednesday for even 10 minutes for us to hear the rest of your answer? Oh, well, certainly. I, you could just let me know in advance, and I'll make the time for you. Uh, I'm a free man now, so I do have much more time. Except <laughs> I just hope I just hope my ambassador isn't listening because it'll give me even more work. But uh, I I can really manipulate my schedule. I'd love to I'd love to talk to you about um, Ambassador Simona Michalescu and how she grew oh, from a young girl uh, who was a, a communist in Romania and hated America to really understanding and loving the entire world through her work in music with us. So, and we would love um, to tell, share with you about our that. project that that we have coming there for the song that we're giving to the UN. So we would love to tell, share that about with you offline. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Patrick. You have been just an amazing. You and John, my goodness, we we. Yeah, started, I heard you say the same thing to John. You say that to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Patrick, actually, let me tell you, there are guests that we have to, you know, we love all our guests, but when you have, I have to tell you that you and John, really, and I, we really don't say that to all our guests, trust me. Patrick, she doesn't say that to me, so I'm just letting you know firsthand. Well, it was a pleasure. She really mean. It was really a pleasure. Having you, having you today put things in a certain way that Jay and I have in our own private beliefs, sometimes you, when you're doing a show like this, you have to be open to everyone. And there are just so many things that we were just sitting in here saying to ourselves, my goodness, he, we agree with 150% of what Patrick and John are saying because this is how we live on a daily basis, personally in our own lives with our own families. And so it is just, like for me, this well, was like a you. treat. Again, thank you so much. I see that uh, uh, one of my um, uh, young young charges, uh, Jolly Amakia, is listening, and I'd love to tell you uh, next time about her work to help the people of Nepal after the terrible earthquakes there and how young people, Beautiful. young women and men, are doing great things everywhere. Okay, well, I thank you very much again for the time. Have a great and no problem. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you day. so much. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Jay, can can we say amazing? Can we say absolutely amazing on air to our audience? Having someone call in with such an amazing question. Oh, this is one of this is this is the days that I love this show. No technological glitches, and just amazing. Jay, what are your thoughts before we leave? Wonder, wonderful, wonderful, and it just shows there is hope and there is a future. You know, sometimes you think, oh, well, why nobody's not doing anything? Why people are not helping? Well, they are. There are people, people such as uh, our two guests, and there are people helping the world so we'll have a better future for the youth. It's just so wonderful. It's just wonderful to hear this, these people just helping and how long they have been helping and, and sharing that with all of the people in the world so they'll know that uh, we are going somewhere as a human race. Mm-hmm. But you know what else is also really good, Jay? I love intergenerational communication. You know that. I am very much of a person who doesn't believe it's the youth or it's older. Just like Patrick said, and I find very few people that have that belief. As a matter of fact, most often I don't share it because when I do, it's shut down. Oh, no, it's all about the youth. 
And for me, I think older people frame the youth as a way of packaging them in a way to make it palpable for them, not at really including the youth. And what Pastor said, I've always said this to you, Jay, and you know this, that uh, older people bring the wisdom, younger people bring the innovation. You put wisdom and innovation together, you really take the world by storm. That, I mean, I'm saying it in a, a different framework, but that is really what you know that I truly have a passion for, of bringing people together of all cultures of all ages and solving the global issues at hand with music, film, tech, and technology. Oh, my God. Like, this is, this is you know, this is our stuff, Jay. You know we love music and tech and news. You, you know we love this stuff. I, I couldn't be more excited. So I said, I think, Jay, on this note, um, and we're having really great weather. I just want to put, put a little bit of that, you know, pun in there. And... Um, Let's say let's go out with I want your number. What do you think about that, Jay, by Patent Leather? Can I get your number? <laughs> yeah, I want your number. Let's do it. <laughs> no, okay, well, I want your number too. Let's go out with it. <laughs> 